Hey there, everybody. It's Tracy here with the Lincoln Law Pod at SoManyShows.com. We are here to talk about the Lincoln Lawyer, and I have my pal, Pete P.I. Pete P.I. Pete P.I. <laughs> Hello, Tracy. Hello, everybody. All right. So Pete P.I. is here with me, and he's, he's really excited about this episode. This is one of your favorites, right? So I watched, I did watch all 10 at this point, very good show. And I felt like this was my favorite episode. I felt like it had good tempo and I, it was interesting to me. This yeah. was, was one of the episodes where it wasn't about the actual case. I feel so because mm-hmm. it wasn't about the actual case, there was a lot of just, I don't know what to predict here. I don't know what to expect. So I'm just going to watch yeah. this and let it, let it play out. And yeah. I think that's what really brought out the acting for me. Okay. Because if you look at the acting in this episode, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, the acting's great in every episode, but this one, I feel like, I don't know, it just was on point. Like there was something different about it. And okay. it awesome. really got to me that, you know, that, that there's a little twist at the end, I feel. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so all of it together was like, wow, that was like, and you can't wait for episode six at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want so to I feel right like it was it. like, and normally, in the, and, and we do, we do a lot of podcasts, Tracy. Seasons yeah. happen. Episodes four, five, and six normally get slow. They drag. They trail. They're doing filler. They're doing a um a flashback episode to just kill the episode, <laughs> kill the time in the episode. You're right here, yeah. we got some major stuff going on that has sure. major implications, and we're learning. We learned so much in this episode. I feel with such a little given to us, but we yeah. absorb so much. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say it's definitely a lot of good content and a lot of a lot to learn, especially yeah. for folks who aren't you know attorneys and work with selecting jurors and so forth so yeah it really did move. i'll give you one better i'll give you one better everybody here listening to this podcast and everybody here with this with me in this podcast have you ever gotten a jury duty letter raise your hand you ever wonder what consists of jury duty well (laughs) that that could be part of it you know that's the process that you could possibly be put in when you sign that letter of intent so yeah you know everybody can relate to this and i'm i was just so curious because like Mm -hmm. i've gotten a letter i'm sure everybody else has gotten a letter at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been called before, but I was not selected for the jury. I was dismissed. Yeah. So, yeah, this gives you some insight, more insight to um, into probably, you know, why I was dismissed. Why you, you were know? dismissed. Exactly. <laughs> now you can go back and look at the case that they had and be yeah. like, oh, OK, that makes sense now. Because, like I said, it's so educating. How, like, yeah. even the, I mean, we'll get to it. But the part where he's like, was anybody in your family ever a cop? Right. Right. And it's like, and here we go. We're turning the whole jury against the cops. But we'll get to that later. We but it was fascinating. It really fascinating. was. Yeah. It was. And then we'll get some further insight at the very end because we have more with our Q&A from Ted Humphrey, the showrunner for The Lincoln Lawyer. So, yeah, definitely stay tuned for that because we'll get even more insight directly from him about that guy's so good he already got a season two that's right (laughs) exactly exactly it's a win all right well jay is not with us right now we're expecting that he may be joining us (laughs) stuff happens so uh so that'll be kind of a surprise we'll we'll wait and see if we get some judge jay tonight coming in to to judge us he's supposed to be getting a gavel pete can you imagine i don't think he needs a gavel he just needs a sound effect of a gavel (laughs) True, I, I, but I think he's, you know, Jay's a big kid. I think he wants to actually pound the gavel. You know what? I might be so nice, as in, you know, those um, those little kid ones. Yeah. That you and you hit it, and he goes like a squeak, squeak. Oh maybe, yeah. Maybe I should mail him one of those and be like, "I got you a gavel, buddy." That would be funny. That would be good. All right. Well, we got a lot uh, going on in this episode. We've got a game. For you guys as part of the episode but let's hit some of the different storylines that we encounter the big one will be the jury selection process and we'll definitely get through that but 
let's make sure we don't miss some of the other things that happened. So let's talk a little bit about Maggie's situation. One thing that happens with Maggie, we see that her boss, chief of major crimes, her name is Janelle Simmons, and we learn that she's running for district attorney. So that's an interesting nugget that will come up later in the show, but her boss is running for district attorney in that. You know what that does, Pete? That brings some politics into it, right? Well, it, it's it, it makes people make different decisions than they normally yeah. would for the better for the better good of everybody compared to the better good of themselves. Yeah, it, it adds another layer, yeah, of decision making. You're right. Yeah. So we, we learned that that's going on. She's running against someone named Robert Cardone. In other news with Maggie, you know, we're just coming off the heels of episode four where her key witness, her, the police, some people were saying it was a carjacking. They're pretty sure he was targeted. They think Angelo Soto did it. But David Loresco, the star witness, he has died. So he's no longer in the picture. And this is just a big hit to their case. So Janelle, again, who's running for office, she says we've got to have everything airtight is the word that she uses. And Maggie ends up with about a week to prove Soto directing this hit on David Loresco, whether, whether he did it himself or hired someone or whatever, because that way they can open up and use David Loresco's grand jury testimony, which was under seal, you know, it was private. But if they find out that the person being in- indicted was responsible for his death, then they can use that testimony, even though the defense will not be able to cross-examine him because, you know, he's no longer here. So that's, you know, that's one of the rules that we encounter and learn about. So that's that's their big motive right now is to find out how they can show that Angelo Soto was behind David Loresca's death. Which is not fair because they give her a week. Uh, it's not much time. No, not much time and she, at all. And it's not even like they have a plan where they're like, oh, we got this going on. So you have a week yeah. to finish this. It's like you have a week to start something and finish it. And what you're asking is ridiculous. Right. So. Yeah, it's a whole I, new project, a whole <laughs> new effort. <laughs> Not even so, that. Then what happens if she can't get him to, to if she can't get there, she's going to lose her job. Like what happens? She gets uh, demoted. Like it's not fair. We don't know for sure about that. But, but, but they that's, did what, say the, that's case, the impression. Yeah. The case would be dropped for sure. That's the impression that I got was that, okay. you know, okay. if you don't get if you have a weekend, if you don't get this done, this is going to be, you know, like because if, if that case is dropped. Yeah, we'll see. So, so I felt like that was that was BS pressure. Mm-hmm. Nobody should have to feel like that in the workplace personally. And I've been in I've been in work situations where like, you know, you're on deadlines and such and you get mm-hmm. impossible missions and it's just even worse for stress. And it's not mm-hmm. fair. Poor Maggie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's she's in a tough spot, no doubt. Yeah. So she and Langford meet and basically they, they've got to figure out how to get some leverage somewhere to get someone to turn and to talk, someone to roll on Soto. So they think about their they will contact his girlfriend, Tanya Cruz. They're going to start with her. They track her down. She's been shopping. And Maggie has put two and two together because she had been seen walking out of the gynecologist's office with her boyfriend, Angelo Soto. She believes that Tanya's pregnant. So she leaves with that, which, of course, surprises Tanya when they confront her. And we learn that she's three months pregnant. They tell her your information is on some of the bank accounts. They, they basically are scaring her, you know, saying this could happen Intimidating. To you. Intimidating. Her, yeah. Which is sure. not right either. That is. A and, good, this is what, a- and this is what we talked about in the beginning. Uh-huh. It's the, the, the choice to run for district attorney now choices the decision to make to make this be a week only, which mm-hmm. causes Maggie now to put the pressure and Frank to put mm-hmm. the pressure on this person. So all these decisions are being made because this person's running for district. I just want to point that out, people. Yeah. Politics. That's what Tracy meant, which said politics are involved. 
Yeah, well, and, and no doubt we're going from her feeling so guilty about feeling like she pressured David Loresca, and now she's in a situation where she feels like she's got to use all the tools she has at her disposal to pressure Tanya Cruz to, to turn on Soto. So, you know, she tells her, if you end up in prison, they're going to take your baby. She says that her name is on some of the bank accounts and that that's what bad guys do. They get someone else to take the fall for things. And Tanya's like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything, you know? Yeah, this and, is so sad. And Maggie says, well, you better hope that you do, basically is what she says, because they, they're, they're saying, if you have information and you turn on him, then we can make you a deal and we can help you. So yeah, it's, uh, it, there's definitely some intimidation and I mean, she's trying to make it happen, but yeah, it, it, it did kind of give me the heebie-jeebies a little bit, just like, oh man, they're really going not, not this loving, woman. Not loving you this episode, lady, not loving <laughs> yeah. you, you know, like she just rubbed me the wrong way this episode. I'm sorry. I don't like that. Movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it was, like, I, I guess the I lady's say- pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Think about true. it. Like, like they always tell you like the worst mm-hmm. you can do is like, a, is like something, a pregnant lady, whatever, fill in the blank. Right. Right. And here this pregnant lady is getting, you know, intimidated by, you know, real law enforcement and the people that are doing it are guilty right now. I mean, right. I understand where it's coming from and I still, you know, love my characters and in the end it all pans out for me. But right now, not loving you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say I think the best thing I could say is that it made me uncomfortable. Now, I'm not a prosecutor. I'm not an attorney. I'm not in that business. So is that standard behavior? Is that kind of acceptable? I don't know. I can't answer that. Question, I feel but... like it's only standard behavior on television and not in real life because there's moral <laughs> codes and laws. And I'm pretty sure like yeah. that person can go back and tell like I've been intimidated and there'll be like, you know, problems. So, yeah, but she does give Nikki's card to Tanya because she'll need someone on you know her side. She'll need an attorney to represent her. And she says that you can trust this guy. So it's another reminder that ultimately Maggie does have faith in Mickey and he does believe he's a good guy, even though they're still on the outs and we don't know where things are going to go with them getting joint custody or not. A lot of that's still open, but she does think he's a good guy and she gives Tanya Cruz uh, Mickey's card. We also have a scene where Lorna runs into an old classmate. Apparently she had been in law school, Southwestern law. Was this news to you, Pete? Had you kind of, they hinted at it a little bit last episode. Did it surprise you? To learn that yeah i just thought she was a savant yeah, <laughs> I yeah she exactly. had an education i know right. she's really good at what she does like okay cool she learned it somewhere but at least they explained it now it makes more right. sense yeah no it definitely came a little more full circle because yeah last episode i thought wow she's got skills maybe a attorney could be in her future i had you know at that point i didn't know that she yeah had maybe there's a background school. there you start to notice yeah. things you know from well she's a little mysterious about her circumstances of why she's no longer in law school she kind of she's nice to the guy ryan is his name the fellow student but she kind of brushes him off and says she has to go you know she yeah, doesn't want to so, keep talking yeah. about it so there's got to be more to the to the story there we also have some stuff with cisco and lorna you know they spend some time back at the office and they're talking about Anton Shavar, who, when Lorna went to visit Carol Dubois at the insurance agency, she got uncomfortable and she left and she still has suspicions about, she's still suspicious of Carol. And she tells Cisco that, and, and he you know, says that she has an alibi, but she's like, I don't know. I don't know. It just, I think the words were something feels off about her. So that's going on in Lorna's mind, but Cisco wants to lean in to this Anton Shavar guy, who is the now ex-husband of another one of Jan Reels' clients that he was seeing personally on the side. So Jan, just to refresh everyone, is the yoga instructor that was also murdered 
at the scene with Laura Elliott. They were in a relationship. He'd also had a relationship with Carol and she had given him $25,000 for a yoga retreat and apparently has no regrets about it either. She was, was happy to, to help him with that. And then Nima Shavar is another name that's come up that has had a personal relationship with Jan. So he's, he's been seeing several of his clients on the side there. And like I said, Cisco is zoning in on the, the Shavar situation because Nima was married to Anton Shavar who does private security. And he looks like he might be someone that could get angry, that could possibly, maybe they could point the finger at him. They're trying to see who else they could point the finger at. Or he could have the resources to have it done. Yeah, yeah, and the resources. Yep, exactly, to have it done. So then they've also learned that Anton Shavar, the ex of Nima, that Jan Reels had asked for a restraining order against him, saying that he had threatened him, saying that, Anton Shavar had, had threatened Jan Reels. I just want to say for the record, <laughs> I agree with this. The, uh, this guy seems like he's a bad guy. This private security. I don't want to you know, butcher his name. So I say the private security guy. He seems like he's a bad guy. He seems like he's a tough guy, rough guy, heavy hitter, blah, blah, blah. But that yoga instructor needs to get punched in the face. And I think I speak <laughs> for Jay, who's not here in spirit right now. Yeah. Just a big old to the face. That's yeah. All. I mean, it's easy to say wow, you can't threaten someone. We're going to get a restraining order, but you can't sleep with someone's wife either. That's, that's not allowed. That's not right. You know? So it's easy to, 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 because they want to find someone to point the finger at who would have a motive for the murder. But yeah, I I hear you, man. I hear you. You you can't go sleeping around on people's wives. Not cool, man. Not not, cool. Not cool. (laughs) But they, they're going to use that, that knowledge that he had asked for a restraining order for being threatened. They're going to use that to their advantage if they can. So we see Lorna and Cisco, you know, they're talking about these different possibilities and he's sewing a button onto a shirt and Lorna's all impressed that, you know, he can sew. What we find out later, Cisco goes to a nail salon, gets a manicure. Good for him. I think he only gets one hand done though. <laughs> he, he's sitting by Nima Shavar and he starts needling her. We heard your ex-husband that Jan Reel's or asked for a restraining order against him, that he was threatening. You're going to get asked, asked questions too. And just talking about how they could get pulled into it and how they could look at fault, her, you know, and especially her ex-husband. So that obviously makes her nervous. And he's obviously doing that so that she will go back and tell Anton about it, which she does. He learns about it and shows up at Cisco's, I guess it's his house at his home. Yeah, he's in like the garage. Yeah, it was a garage. It was a his motorcycle. And he, so basically Anton comes in and essentially threatens Cisco saying, don't be talking to my, my wife, ex-wife or whatever. Don't make me angry. I can't remember, obviously. The and exact again, dialogue. this guy is justified in doing it because the last time a guy was involved with his wife, it was the yoga instructor. Yeah. So for him, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. Well, he's definitely suspicious. You know, this is, he, he keeps having. Well, yeah. well, obviously he's not trusting her as much as he used to. So when this right. random guy comes up and starts asking questions, there's multiple reasons yeah. to go tell this guy to, you know, get away and leave us alone. And, and I think I'm pretty sure that Cisco did identify that he was working for the attorney that was defending Trevor Elliott. So they, he put the bug in their ear that you know, we might have to point the finger at you and you're going to get questioned. So they've got that pressure, the fact that another guy's talking to his wife. So he has all these reasons he's decided to come and confront Cisco at his house. And he basically does threaten him, pulls his jacket out. We see a gun. And it turns out that Cisco has got this all on video because the button was a tiny little camera. We see him downloading yep. the, the footage later in the episode. So yeah, Cisco, he's got those investigative skills down. That was that was pretty clever. I, I 
had no idea that that was a, a tiny little camera. So impressive. So now they have that in their back pocket, a video of this guy that they might want to point the finger at, a video of him actually threatening Cisco. In other news, we find Mickey at a hotel room and a prostitute comes in and she freaks out. What are you doing here? She's, she thinks she's coming to see a client and then she sees Mickey. So we know she, you know, they obviously know each other. So what's the relationship? What's going on? And they talk. <laughs> no, it's not like that, people. It's, I know you're all not. thinking it, but it's not. We find out a second later it's not, but go ahead. Yeah, we find out pretty early. It's not like that. He's, you know, tricked her into coming here and she's, she's mad. She had to take a couple buses to get there. And it, it turns out, you know, it was a trick. Well, he wants to talk to her because he's looking for another prostitute named Glory Days. And Cherry is the, the woman that has come into the hotel room. She was supposed to try to track down Glory Days for him. He had given her some money, but she has not had luck. Meanwhile, she got nabbed on a drug deal and has been in prison for a couple of months. So she's like, no, I didn't find her. But where have you been? I was stuck in prison. You didn't help me with that. Well, he tells her that he was in rehab. You know, something happened to him and she pleads with her again. Please try to find her again. You know, so he gives her some money. But then she makes the offer to exchange some some loving or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Instead of the money is a down payment for her looking for glory days. But he's like, no, just here. You have this room paid for, you know, enjoy yourself, take a nap, watch cable, whatever, and keep me posted. So he has given her money to continue the search for, for glory days. So who we have not met, but we have been introduced to Cherry. So any thoughts on that before we move on? Glory days. What a name. What a name. What a yeah. name. <laughs> All right. We also have a little bit of the aftermath of Mickey visiting Maggie last episode. You know, he went to check on her per Haley's request after David Loresca was murdered and she was very upset. They he comforted her and they almost kissed. And then he said he needed to go and ended up going to a meeting. But obviously there was some tension there and some unresolved feelings, whatever you want to call it. So he has called her earlier in the day. She's not responded. So at some point he actually goes to her house and says, Hey, you know, I'm sorry about last night. Do we need to talk about it? And she's like, no, that, you know, I was, that was a different person. That wasn't me. And he's like, well, it just seemed like you. And he, but she, she's trying to insist that she wasn't in her right frame of mind and that it was better that he left. So it, it's kind of unresolved. And I think he, she, she may mention also before he leaves that she has a favor to ask him about it, the Tanya Cruz situation, but they're not going to talk about it right now. She goes back inside. So not a not a lot of story there, but if you were getting hopeful that they're going to get back together all of a sudden, no, that's that's not happening. Listen, right people, now. listen, people. Spoiler alert: that's not confirmed. TV one hundred and one. <laughs> if these two don't end up back together in episode ten, it will be the big story of season two. That's all I'm saying. Could be, could be. Yeah, it's I mean, just so, those things. Yeah, there's the slow burn that's that's popular in TV. So yeah, you never, you don't know which way it's gonna go. But um, I know which way it's gonna go, and I just told everybody. Okay, to mark all right, my you, words. okay, mark your words. You've laid it out there. I gotcha. We also have another couple of uncomfortable conversations when Mickey comes out of the courthouse after the jury selection. Izzy's waiting for him, and she's on the phone, and it seems like a, a, a tough phone call. And he asks her about it, and she's been talking to her ex, and she's worried about her ex. She thinks she's doing drugs again. And Izzy is the one that got her girlfriend started with drugs. So she obviously feels really guilty and doesn't want her to go down that road. She's worried that her girlfriend, ex-girlfriend now is using it. And so, of course, Mickey can relate to that, having been through 
the same thing. So as they're having that exchange, a bunch of motorcycles drive up and Izzy's confused, but Mickey seems to know who's coming. And it's the Road Saints, a motorcycle gang, club, whatever you want to call it. But a guy named Teddy Vogel, which I think Mickey refers to him as Ted, takes his helmet off and wants to talk to Mickey. He says he has another client for him some more work. And he says there's a guy named Hard Case Casey that has having a, a parole issue. And so they want to use Mickey's services. So we kind of figure out that there's some, re- he's in some sort of relationship or agreement with this motorcycle group. And then Ted, Teddy says, say hi to Cisco for me. So then you kind of put it together that, that that's the motorcycle club that and Cisco the first in. thing, the first thing that I thought to myself was, mm-hmm. Uh, are these guys on uh, is like mickey on retainer for these guys because well, yeah you wonder you yeah. seem to answer that question pretty quickly watch well they they have the i think the is it the one percent thing on some, their yeah, collar and that they, there's been some um chris browning who plays the ted character i think shared an article or something about that that that's to refer to these are not the the social club we like to go on rides and go camping kind of guys that these are guys that are doing bad stuff that there is a percentage yes. that's uh, it's like a cowboy who sleeps on the floor and now the guy <laughs> goes to a retreat to ride horses <laughs> yeah there you go. difference people <laughs> this isn't a sunday ride up the highway because it's 80 degrees and you want your hair in the wind this is yeah. real deal business they've got they've got business going on yeah and so you can just add illegal to that i so, think they're pretty cool road saints <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it does look pretty cool them all driving up like kind of in formation you know there's, there's I, I give you that but izzy asks mickey do you owe them or something and he said he says something so yeah we so like you said on retainer whatever there's some kind of arrangement where he needs to provide those services and we'll, we'll figure out more of that as we go along but i'm sure everyone has some pretty good ideas since we know cisco was in that group and now yeah out (laughs) i don't even want to try to predict what's going to happen because obviously i feel like they're gonna they're gonna elaborate on that a little bit more as they get deeper into the season yeah so i'm not worried about that right now but i tell you it is interesting and it's a bookmark for me at this point okay put a pen in it as they say yes all right and then at the end of the episode detective griggs scares the crap out of Mickey when he walks up behind him as he's going in his house. And it it kind of scared me too. It kind of made me jump, although I'm a jumpy person. But he says, hey there, you know, whatever. And he turns around and, you know, it's Griggs. You know why that was a good creepy scene? I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because the timing of the episode. Okay. Anytime they end an episode and they want you to watch the next one, they always end up with a big thing. So if he was to get kidnapped during this season, when would it be? Episode five at the end (laughs) of the episode. Right. That was when he'd be kidnapped because then he would have two episodes to get away or get back to where he's going for the final. However, the fact that it was cop, Greg's the cop, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Detective. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it was him made it even more interesting because now you're like, oh. Oh wait, I'm so dumb. <laughs> like, like, yeah, is he you bad? jumped up right now. Yeah, you jumped up right now. And you're like, wait, is, is is Greg's the killer? Greg's the killer? Like, <laughs> you don't know what's going on now, now, because you don't, right. you know, you don't know what twist you're gonna get. You know, there's a twist coming. I'm sorry, people. If you don't see a twist coming, it's coming at this point in this in the season. You're just waiting for one. Yeah. 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 But so I'm like, oh my god, is this guy the killer now? Is this guy like, is this what's going on like? But it wasn't. Well, yeah, it wasn't. So right now, there's that. that's not a twist. He is still working hard trying to figure out who killed Jerry Vincent. He's on the case. And Mickey has shared that there's some money missing from his accounts. Griggs is there to say there's actually $150,000 withdrawal from Jerry's bank account that was supposedly used to purchase a boat, but he can't find any evidence of a boat being purchased. Was the boat named Glory Dave? <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be a twist. 
That there you go. Twist. So that's not adding up. And with the fact that he's, you know, he knows that he's been talking to the FBI, starting to put those together. And he's like, is someone being bribed here? So he puts that notion out there that, that there may be a bribe going on. That just puts more, more thought out there, more questions. All right. Speaking of bribes. <laughs> Speaking of bribes, we have bribed Jay to join us for at least Judge a Jay. Bit. Judge Jay. Yeah, you're giving me a hundred dollars. Sweet. I, I thought, I thought. Well, Wait, you don't you owe her 10? Wrong. Doesn't he owe you 10? Yeah. Yeah. You owe me 10. So yeah. You owe me 10. Tim verified my story. I, I still need, I still need my hundred for bribing me apparently. <clears throat> Tracy made this whole game up and insisted you play. Yes. Gotta have you. All right, guys. So we know that with jury selection, one of the main rules is that you have challenges. The prosecutor gets 10 challenges. The defense gets 10 challenges. So they start bringing in 12, how many ever juries at a time? And they ask them questions. You know, they probe, they want to find someone that has a bias in their direction. And then if you see someone that has a bias in the other table's direction, you want to get rid of them. So, you know, it's a game. Who do you keep? Who do you get rid of? And trying to figure out who the other table wants to keep or get rid of. And if you use all 10 of them up soon, you know, early in the, the process, then you don't know who's coming after them. Oh, I know I want to get rid of this guy, but, or this gal, but now who's, who's coming next? Are they worse? What's your question, Pete? Uh, can I get rid of Jay? <laughs> no. Game over, I win. No. <laughs> <laughs> So Uh-oh. I came here for that, Pete. Thanks, brother. <laughs> if Love that was too, the game, man. Jay, I probably so, give you the hundred bucks. <laughs> we're gonna play, have a little exercise of of jury selection. Now I'm the game runner, so Jay, you are the prosecution. Yes. Pete, you are on the defense team. Yes. The issue that's on the line. Pete is defending the guy that is responsible for putting sour cream on tacos all around the world oh dear god oh dear so, god but he's been accused of murder so jay yeah. as if you if you can prosecute this guy he goes away there's no more sour cream on tacos right and guilty <laughs> so you're going for the guilty verdict pete you're defending this guy because pete in fact does like sour cream on his tacos so he wants this guy to stay in operation so pete is trying to get this guy a not guilty verdict so he can continue supplying sour cream for tacos around the world. So gentlemen, do you understand which side you're on? Yes. yes. Pete, let's okay. talk a plea deal. Okay. All he <laughs> has to do is 30 days in jail and we'll call it good. But while he's in there for that 30 days, I'm sending someone after him. You can work on your, your plea outside of this game, but right now we're going to select a jury in case we go to trial. All right. I have 23 names. I'm going to name two of them at a time. You know, these people as they are characters on the show, the Lincoln lawyer. So we're going to take turns. I'm going to name two people to Jay or Pete. We'll figure out who goes first. And you can keep them. You can use one challenge or you can use two challenges up until you use seven. You guys are getting seven for this because we could, could go on all night. That's fair. That's fair. So each of you get seven challenges in our game. So you either keep them, get rid of one, get rid of two. Then we go to the next person. We go through the list. If you guys use up your challenges early on, I've got the list of names and you'll find out who's going to be on your jury. And then we will put it out to the listeners and we'll post the jury and we'll let them weigh in on who's going to win this case based on the jurors. We good? Yep. Yes. Okay. Now, classic. I've got a number in my head between one and 10. Name your number. Seven. Eight. Pete goes first. It was four. Closest. All right. Objection. 
I, I, love guess, I guess I am the, the judge. <laughs> All right. Where's my gavel, Pete? We first brought in jurors one and two, Ren Williams, Golance. So if you may recall, Ren Williams was the assistant of Jerry Vincent, just very emotional and very much cared for him, very emotional about his death. Doesn't know a whole lot about the law, but I guess she was doing filing and so forth. And of course, Golance is the prosecutor on the Trevor Elliott case. So Pete, shall we keep for now Ren Williams, Golance? Or are you going to um, get rid of either or both? I'll keep both of them. Emotional is good. They will okay. want tacos to recover. Okay. All right. Jay, I'm going to give you two names. Now, yeah. part of this is memory for this, because this is actually a game. So part of this is memory. You, since Ren and Lance are still there, you want to take notes. You still have the option to, to get rid of them at any point during the game if they're still there. Yeah, so no, we, I like them. We okay. approve. We Prosecution have Ren Williams, still Lance. The two new possibilities are Lorna Crane and Carol Dubois. Will you be using any of your challenges? Excuse me, Your Honor. Can I approach the bench? Yes, you may. Both of you, come here. Counsel, counsel would like to see the last five names on the list because I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That is not authorized. That is not the jury selection process. Back to your table. Would you like to keep Lorna Crane and Carol I'm, Dubois? Or use a I'm going to keep them both. No, I'm keep keeping them both. both. All right. I want to toss them. Well, it is your turn. Yeah, I challenge both of them. Get them rid right. of them. All right, so this is a Pete challenge, a Pete challenge. They're gone. Excuse me, Your Honor. What, wasn't Pete disbarred? <laughs> Not yet. Maybe by the end of this game. I was okay. in rehab, Jay. <laughs> All right. I wasn't really in rehab. You took an action. Okay. <laughs> good. good to know. All right, back to you, Jay. We've yes. got Izzy Letts and Teddy Vogel on the board now. I'll keep Izzy. So you're going to use a challenge for Teddy. Yeah. Okay, Teddy's out. All right, Pete, we now have poker player Gwen and Trevor Elliott. Um, they're both gone. I can't trust a poker player. They have a good <laughs> poker face, and I can't trust Trevor Elliott. Okay. All right. So you have used four of your challenges. Jay has used Trevor, one. too. Damn it. <laughs> Jay, you have now up Terrell Coleman and Cherry. How many names have we been through so far? Ten. There's like 13 Eight. left. Crap. I've only used one challenge. It's up. Okay. Yeah, if, if we get if we get to twenty if we get to uh, fourteen people and you haven't used all your challenges, that's the jury. So. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick them both, challenge both. Also, also, your honor, could you could you please? I went to law school for a long time. Could you Southwest. please <clears throat> call me Mr. McClenahan? Thank you, counselor. Yeah, I will do my best. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> counselor Pete, Mickey Holler, and Maggie McPherson. Ooh. Maggie's gone. Mickey can stay. Maggie's out. That's five of your seven challenges. Mickey's uh, no, still I'm, on the board. I'm, I'm challenging Mickey. Get him out. I don't trust him. He'll feel for Pete and his appeal for the, the dude. Nope, he's out of here. Sorry, okay, dude. We're taking Mickey for Jay. You've used four. So, Jay, I'll give you one more person. Janelle Simmons. That's Maggie's boss. She's running for district attorney. She's kind of scummy. Crap. She would support your no sour cream initiative, though. But I'm she's, hoping. Yeah, she's I'm a prosecutor. Keep I'll keep her. I'll keep her. All right. Counselor Pete, we've got Detective Griggs and the Marlboro Man. I'm getting rid of Griggs and I'm keeping the Marlboro Man. <laughs> keeping the Marlboro Man. Okay. All right. Jury. It's doomed. You kicked, you kicked, you kicked six. <laughs> the Pete, jury of the damned. <laughs> you kicked six. Jay has kicked four. And we have so far, we have one, two, three, four, five that have not been kicked. Pete, you have one challenge left. 
Jay, you have three. All right. So in this case, over to Jay, Angelo yes. Soto and Detective Lankford. Horrible set of choices. Dang. <laughs> oh, Soto has to go. Soto has to go. Jay yeah, has used I, five I, of his challenges. Lankford Lank Singh. Okay. All right. That gives us one, two, three, four, five, six. We have six jurors that have not been kicked over to you pete sam scales and tony wash sam was of course one of nikki's clients and that was doing the charity donation fraud has the computer skills and tony wash is a, a fellow defense attorney keep so, them both them both all right so we've got one two three four five six seven tony is an alternate and cisco is an alternate we got to seven the folks that did not get picked or even considered were Kim Wagstaff, Eli Wims, and prosecutor slash soccer coach Joe. So let me go through your jury, gentlemen, and we'll post this for the listeners. Who's going to win this case? You have Ren Williams, Golance, Izzy Letts, Janelle Simmons, the Marlboro Man, Detective Lankford, and Sam Scales. Your Honor, I would like to bring into evidence... I have a document here, a set of text messages where Pete has already texted the jewelry pool, and I'm looking oh. for I'm looking for a disbarment and an automatic conviction. Okay, well, thank I will, you, Your Honor. I will take Your that Honor, under advisement. Yes, Your Honor, I recommend that we bring Cisco in as an alternate because the Marlboro Man has been smoking in the joy deliberation room <laughs> illegally and has been dismissed. <laughs> well, if that happens, Cisco is an alternate. And Tony Walsh is an alternate. So that would move Cisco up. I will also address that situation and take it under advisement. But for now, that's your jury. Jay is the prosecutor. He's trying to get the sour cream guy put away. We can no longer put sour cream on tacos. Pete is trying to defend the sour cream guy and keep sour cream on tacos. Next podcast that I join, I'll be um, giving my closing statements for everyone <laughs> to hear. So stay tuned, everyone. <clears throat> stay tuned. Well, yeah, you'll have to do that too, Pete. We'll see what the, we'll see what the people in the gallery, our listeners, say. Listen, we'll listeners, if you are listening, I expect pictures of sour cream to flood the Lincoln Law Pod <laughs> Twitter feed for Jay oh, to understand who he's dealing with. Objection. Intimidation. Objection. Yeah. Intimidation, <laughs> he's leading the witness. Leading the witness. Overreach and frankly, a disgusting addition to tacos. Listen, I have a flash drive right here that has Jay eating a taco with extra sour cream. Do I really need to bring it to the discovery? Okay, gentlemen, do you see this stack of files here? This is my docket for the evening and we are on a time schedule and we are going to have to adjourn uh, at this behave point yourself, defense and come, attorney. Back, come back for trial. <laughs> the jerk, your honor. Sorry. The best to you both. May your the best Honor. man win. By the way, Your Honor, I think you look great tonight. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're Is welcome. that a new hat? Is that a new hat you're wearing? Uh, what do you really have, Pete? Yeah. What do you have for me? Okay, okay. But you remember, it's the jury that you really got impressed. So Those earphones really bring out your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jay, you leaving us? Yeah, I'm out. Okay. Right. Have, have a good, good sleep. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's, let's get into the jury selection process. So we find out early on that Trevor Elliott does not want a jury consultant. Mickey has no idea why. It makes no sense whatsoever, but he's adamant about it. So Mickey takes things into his own hands. He goes to the Viper room, I believe upstairs, to a poker game where he sees someone named Gwen playing. She's very good at what she's at playing poker. She wins a ton of money. 
he talks to her at the bar and asks her if sort of under the radar, she will come to the jury selection and feed him some information and give him thoughts about what's going on. Just don't let his client, Trevor Elliott, know. And she agrees. So we're going to have Gwen in the jury, in the courtroom, feeding Nikki some thoughts on different jurors. And sometimes, you know, we see that she'll say, you should keep so-and-so, you know, 10, 15, and 12. And then immediately, Golance will get rid of 10, 15, and 12, you know. So you can see the game happening, which makes sense. If Mickey would want them, Golance is going to want to get rid of them. So with our game, you know, we've tried to illustrate that, you know, in this case, in the criminal case, you have 10 challenges each. And so we've kind of, you know, taken a look at how, I mean, obviously we didn't do it the, the, the actual way, but they have 10 people they can get rid of. And if they use them up faster than the other than that, you know, that kind of puts the, the, the ball in the other table's court to make the rest of the decisions. So we have the challenges. The judge can also dismiss someone if, if bias is a, such great bias is demonstrated. And Mickey tries this at one point to bring out a bias and the judge is on to him. And he's like, I'm not doing your challenge for you. If you want to get rid of this juror, get rid of the juror. So that is a possibility. Uh, The jurors cannot give identifying information. Of course, we just flat out told you their names in our game, but they're not allowed to say their name. Listen, listen, this is also scary because I was under the impression that when you get a jury summon slip, you go there, they they question you with three questions and say, okay, you're selected. I didn't know that you have to go and it's like, think about it. It's scary that you have a court case and like you could be facing multiple years in in some cases the death penalty and the jury being selected is based on you know what i'm saying based on these people and how they feel about specific things like i thought it was totally yeah. random i didn't know that like, it was going to be this like in depth where like they could literally yeah they, yeah pick you know like all they gotta do is isn't it like so don't they, the jury have to have a unanimous decision i believe so that's my so they just got to pick one person out of their yeah. keepers or whatever out of the to get through whatever many challenges they had they, right. they just have to find one person who will take their sympathy right and that's so, crazy I mean- yeah, I know. It, it, yeah, it's it's. I thought it was all complex. random. Those a bunch of random people in a room with, but no, they're like they're like reading these people's faces and. Oh yeah, and and, and another like, thing, they can they they get to make a, a general statement to the juror juror yes. pool at the beginning. You know, Golance is kind of straightforward. This guy is guilty. They're, it's very obvious. Use common sense. Da, 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 da. And Mickey's has more of a familial type approach. He's trying yes. to kind of, you know, be um, a little informal with the jury use a personal like, story hey personal. how many people have kids well i wish i did one yeah. day you know yeah. like. he's taking a totally different approach and that that's representing themselves but that also you're looking at their reactions how are they responding it's just know, scary how how sophisticated a jury gets selected to prosecute someone it's very mm-hmm. scary yeah so like we said they're looking for particular biases and as in the car scene when nikki's talking to Izzy, he tells her, I want them to be very biased, very biased in my favor. There's also something we learned called a Wheeler motion, where an attorney can try to identify or shed light on a discriminatory action that the other table has taken. And uh, he tri- Mickey tries to do that, saying that Golance has been choosing almost all women so far. And he's like, well, of course I would. You know, this guy killed his wife. Obviously, you know, that would be the opposite of discriminatory. The, the judge stand just tosses that. He's like, no, let's get back to selection. We also see a part where Lorna goes into the juror parking lot and does some snooping around at bumper stickers, what things look like inside people's cars. Um, there's a particular juror number seven that's an engineer. And she thinks that this seems weird because his car is a mess, like, like he's been living out of his car. So 
Is she allowed to go out and do that? No, that is definitely not allowed. But somehow she gets in there and gets information for Mickey. Lorna interrupts the selection proceedings at one point and gives Mickey a folder. It's just a fake folder. It's just a reason for to create like a fake personal emergency so he can leave. And he is hoping that Golance will use this break to kind of spy at his table and make a decision based on information that Mickey has made on his chart. Now, remember, we didn't talk about Mickey's using a chart, a grid with different colors and post-its to kind of make his decisions and what he's thinking about different jurors while Golance is using a computer application. So, but Mickey says, no, this is old school, you know, but this gives me, this is using my real interactions with these people, with the human beings. I think that's more valid. So sure enough, Golance does look over at Mickey's paperwork at his grid while they're on the break. And Mickey has, he's tricked him. You know, he's put what he thought Golance would interpret as wanting someone, a particular juror. So Golance dismisses them. But the truth is that documentation, that note that Mickey had made means he did not want that person. You know, so Golance is not privy to Mickey's code. They don't know what the inner workings are. Yeah. So he, you know, he dirty, looked at his information and tried to take advantage of it, but it ended up working in Mickey's favor because he was one step ahead what what it really comes down to is two jurors there's i mean there's a lot of discussion you know we they do interviews they try to draw up bias it's very it's very entertaining i I think but down down at the end there's one challenge left and trevor wants to keep juror number seven the engineer he's insistent on it but mickey's like no number 10 she she really she'd be your best juror you you want to keep her so he wants to get rid of seven they go on a lunch break they come back Mickey's like, no, we need to get rid of seven. Well, the jury or the judge gets handed a note and we learn that juror 10, who Mickey really wants, says that Trevor was following her in the parking lot and creeping her out and scaring her. And so, you know, Mickey thinks you did this on purpose because you wanted to get rid of her. And I, I think he did. I mean, I think he did too. What do you mean? Uh, that's the first thing I thought. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't admit it, but because that's already created, that's put out there that 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 there was potential creepy, intimidating behavior. Mickey has to get rid of number 10 now, the one he really wanted. So they do keep juror number seven that Trevor insisted that they keep. So they're down to their 12 and their alternates. You know, he does get some help from Gwen, the poker player, but it's just, you know, it's a game of strategy. So I thought it was really entertaining the way they, the way they went through it. Yeah, they've got their, their jury. And next episode, I, I suspect we'll get right into the trial. So um, do you have a question for me, Pete? Let's do a little cross-examination. I kind of addressed it already with the, with the, the Maggie thing. I mean, yeah. how, how much does it turn you off what she's doing? You know, this is right. a pregnant woman. Yeah. Yeah. And as I said, it, it made me uncomfortable. I, I don't know if there are certain guidelines or if she crossed any of them, but it, it made me uncomfortable, but at the same time, the fact that it seems like the girlfriend of Tanya agreed, I was like, okay, well, maybe Maggie will actually get her conviction because we hate this Soto guy, what he's been accused of. I mean, it's just terrible. So you kind of, at that point, you're like kind of weighing, is it worse of her to scare her, this pregnant lady, or to potentially let this human trafficking guy the, the, go? So you got to keep it in perspective. No, I, I get it from that perspective. At the end of the day, though, it's always the, the pregnant woman or the woman person with kids that has, that has, you know, that's just trying to survive. That always mm-hmm. is like the, the casualty and get stuck in the, you know, in the crossfire. And that's okay. not cool. Well, uh, my question for you, Cherry, that we were introduced to 
um, at the hotel room and Mickey, you know, has given her more money to continue the search for glory days. You know, she's already, you know, ticked at Mickey, you know, that she ended up in prison and he wasn't there to help. What do you think the chances are at this point in the story that Cherry's going to come through for him? Are you doubtful? Do you think she'll uh, give it a shot? I think they wouldn't have showed that scene if it wasn't going to be a thing. They just need to justify mm -hmm. when this person shows up out of nowhere. Like, oh, I remember, you know, three episodes yeah. ago when they had, you know, when he explained this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem super likely, but I, I do think there'll be a payoff, you know, because like you said, we were introduced. To it's her. a storyline. So I it's called long term booking is, mm -hmm. is um, a phrase that they use in, in a bunch of things. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you're telling a story now, you plan yeah. to see something later. So when Glory Day shows up and gets done, whatever she needs to get done for him. Yeah. You know, now you know how it happened. Not just this person just randomly showed up and they have to wrap it up in one scene, you know, later on in the season. Well, let's let's. We did spend some time on our game and so forth. So let's move right into our person of interest. So who do you think from the episode, unless you want me to go first, has, was just had a particularly pivotal role or a certain emphasis to you? Well, I'll go first. You definitely won't guess mine. What's his name? Teddy Vogel, the, yeah, yeah, the biker the, guy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in him. I like Cisco in the story. I, I think they're all connected somehow, obviously. So I'm just waiting to see how. Okay. Okay. So you think that's really got to, something serious is going to come from that. What you're and I'm sure that they showed him for a reason also. So if it's yeah. not a Cisco story, maybe he needs them later on for something. Uh -huh. You know, people are following him. So okay, so you are intrigued. Yes. Sounds like, yeah. I, I have a hard time going between, you know, what can often be an obvious choice, Mickey or Trevor. I think I'm going to go with Tre Trevor because he he was the, the nag in all of this. He was the one who said that they couldn't have a jury consultant. And so making Mickey, um, <laughs> you know, figure out another way to get some jury consultant type advice, you know, he's it, he just keeps doing stuff that requires a response from Mickey that he doesn't really want you. He's not letting Mickey leave, which he's the attorney. This is like he says, this is his domain. And Trevor keeps interfering with that. And that affects the story. It affected the story in that they couldn't have a jury consultant, but he, you know, he tried to get Gwen and that was helpful to some degree. But then with this whole thing with juror seven, juror 10, and potentially purposefully trying to creep out juror 10, I mean, that forced Mickey, you know, forced his hand in getting rid of juror 10. And, you know, he just keeps interfering. I mean, that, that's, that's the, what I'm trying to really identify here. He just keeps interfering with what Mickey is supposed to be the expert on and it's very annoying of course but it also is complicating the story and I think as viewers we want a story that's complicated and we don't know all the answers why is this happening and you know if you don't have some kind of struggle or questions then you're going to get bored so he definitely stirred the pot as we say in our family you know he's stirring up trouble and Just making wonder what's what's his end game that's all I can think of is what's yeah. his end game yeah I it's it definitely keeps you guessing at this point in the story. So do you have any trivia for me before we head out I, and listen to Ted? I do have time for um, trivia. Hold on. I made the easiest question in the world. I'm tired of you guys getting it wrong. <laughs> so here we are. Okay. Okay. So first of all, again, I, I did we skip the part with the janitor and the gun? We uh, That was last episode. Okay. Was, I wanted yeah. to. Okay. Now I wanted well, to address can... that here. Yeah, I wanted to address that here. Okay. Uh -huh. As somebody in the custodial field, uh -huh. I will verify. I really want to talk about this. I really, I wish okay. I was here for the last one. I will verify that if I ever walk into any room and see a guy with a gun, mm -hmm. I would probably not ever clean that room again. 
So I am 100% on the janitor's side from episode four. Would you continue working in the building? Yes. Okay, but not, you would not. But I would just stay office. away from, obviously yeah. that, that, you know, he didn't see that guy nowhere else except for the office. Yeah. So just that. Well, yeah, then a, they, they had to end up using the, the sweeper vacuum robot, the room. Well, that's what happened yeah. when they asked why. And he's like, oh, because the janitor won't show up and the, <laughs> you know, hasn't showed up since. And I'm like, yo, I agree. So. Here we go. Um, this is pretty quick because you actually mentioned some of these in your thing. Cherry, uh-huh. how many buses did she take to meet Mickey? Two. Very good. All right. How many months did she send, spend in county when he ghosted her? Two. There you go. You got it right, Tracy. Yay! Yay! You're the winner. I'm 100% tonight. I told you, I'm going to make this as easy as possible <laughs> for you guys. Just make it a nice, easy night. And you know what? Some of the viewers might have even gotten that one, too. <laughs> it's such a setup, though, because if they're so easy and I miss them, that's bad. So, all right. Well, this was fun. This is a, a very entertaining and informative episode. And we only got stuck with Jay for a very little amount of time. <laughs> so it was perfect. He came to get to join the game to lose. He joined the game with us. So, yes, grateful for that. And uh, I'm sure we'll all be, hopefully, we'll all be back together for the next one. This was fun. Thanks for your commentary. And we'll catch you next time. Stay tuned for Ted with some good content. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Hey there, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for coming on for this. So in episode five, when we meet Gwen, poker player, mm-hmm. was the ruse in the courtroom with her, was it at all legal? <laughs> can can you oh, give real-time really... information like that? Sure, it's completely okay. legal. I mean, in the sense of having somebody secretly text you, I don't know, I guess it would be. <laughs> you're, you're allowed to have jury consultants, you're allowed to have people, sure, right, who, right. you know, just that Trevor said no, right? Yeah. So the... The, the ruse is not a ruse being played on the court. The ruse is a ruse on Trevor client who doesn't yeah. want this, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So that was, that was, that but was it's not good. like she's now what's not, what's not particularly kosher is like Lorna snooping around jurors' cars. Okay. Then, I was going to ask you about that one too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one seemed pretty, pretty much um, out of line. So, well, and Gwen, I mean, boy, she, she, her character saw her only a little bit, but really came full circle there. Towards the end of the, the series. Yeah. Yes, and that character's in the books in a slightly different version, but mm-hmm. you know, she's a poker player in the books, and it's the whole yeah. the same thing. And you know, we may see her again, perhaps. So you know, I actually really love that. I think 105 was a really great episode because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the way we dramatized the jury stuff, beginning with the even just the jury video that you know, oh yeah, kind of like yeah. lame government video that you watch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, and you know, and it was an appearance for Judge Holder and everything, you know. So, yeah. Was, yeah, that episode, I definitely, it was fantastic. And I, I do a pretty thorough recap on each episode. And that one, at first, I was like, this is going to be kind of challenging because you, you all covered so much and so many aspects of jury selection just in and out throughout the episode. It wasn't like, here's what we need to do or here's what you need to watch for. It was just woven in and out. And I ended up making kind of a, a bullet list of these are a lot of the things we learned, <laughs> you know, about jury selection. But it was it was entertaining. Yeah, it was great. That, yeah, but that's the important thing. Enter, entertaining. Yeah. You know, I, somebody I did see a review somewhere where somebody said I didn't understand the jury selection thing and like why did we need to know all this and I and I thought to myself you're not getting it because the vast majority of the audience that I've heard from really yeah. enjoyed that episode because it's yeah. something mundane that they 
get and then making it entertaining. Yeah, yeah it was just like this huge game. We the, were all yeah. curtain on it, making it a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We were on the sidelines watching. So speaking of the two jury selection type tools that were that were shown, the you know Mickey's manual system uh, versus the the computer app. Anything you want to share on that? I mean, to me, I said in in, in my in when I did my recap of this episode, I, I find Mickey's much more flexible. But in 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 the real world today, do you do you have some folks still doing that manual process? Oh sure, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, it was and and of course there are software programs and things to use. Yeah. Those, but uh, but um, you know, to me that was whichever Rocky movie that is, where where it's I think it's Rocky three, where uh, Rocky four actually, where the Russian guy is like training in a hyperbolic chamber and, and yeah. Sylvester Stallone is like out in a snowy field, right within the logs and everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's what that's what it is, right? It's the yeah. old school versus yeah, the, yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was very effective, and it helped. It gave a lot of intel about jury selection by actually just seeing his information and, and yeah. some of the things that happened that we couldn't have done as well with the, with the computer. Right. So would you say that in episode five, when Izzy is in the office and kind of discussing the cases with everybody, is that kind of a sign that they're all sort of bringing her into the family? Now there was some skepticism with Lorna at first. Yes. But, that, that's yeah. what that was a sign. You know, could have told, could, could have told a whole story about that, but as with any TV show, limited space, yeah. limited, you know, time, you sometimes have to find a way to, to uh, shorthand things. And so, yeah. 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 No, it was, it was, it, it was, it was well done. I mean, I could, definitely got that vibe. I could make the Izzy show and maybe people, yeah. watch, I don't know, because I would watch, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. I've, I've, I've heard great feedback about her character. I've, I've enjoyed her a lot. And that's the thing. These characters are so vibrant. But yeah, believable that they could they could have their own spinoff. Yeah. There's lo- right. lots of lots of stories to tell for sure. Lots of stories to tell. Yes. So uh, the little camera that Cisco sews into the the like as a in the button or into his shirt. Mm-hmm. What what kind of laws are there with recording video and audio in California? Uh, I believe California is a two party consent state. Okay. Okay. Meaning technically you are not supposed to record somebody without their consent. Right. Right. I don't know, though, what a good question would be what it's being used for impeachment evidence. Almost anything goes with impeachment evidence. Okay. Um, Okay. Because you are, somebody is saying on the stand, I am X or Mm -hmm. I am not X or whatever. And you are, and, and you don't have to have introduced it, which we do this a couple of times in the series. And we never, I don't think we ever did quite explain this, but you know, you can't explain everything. That's the thing. evidence does not need to be turned over beforehand when it's impeachment evidence. Okay. Because you're not planning, it's not evidence you're introducing in your case in chief. It's evidence that you're only introducing because the other side, quote, opened the door to it, as that's the terminology, right? Open the door to it by, Mm -hmm. the defendant goes on the stand and says, I did not murder my wife. So that's when you introduce the video that shows that there he is with the knife. Right, yeah, Yeah. okay, okay, interesting. 